0: Uh, Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Uh, It's an honor to be, of course, with Triumph again. Uh, Yesterday we had uh, an early dinner, late lunch with Bishop Randy Clark and Pastor Renee. And uh, we talked way into uh, part of the early evening. And then, of course, greetings to Pastor uh, Randon and Lindsay for the tremendous job they're doing. And, of course, Ryan and Cara. God bless all of you. And it's so good to see so many of our friends, people we recognize from so many years. I think we've been coming to triumph for the good part of 20 years. And, of course, uh, Willie and Jackie still look the same. <laughs> Willie still wearing his boots, amen. And, of course, Henry still looks fierce like he did the first time we met. God bless you, Brother Henry. And of course, greetings to Brother Mark and Sister Faith. God bless all of you. And so many folks we recognize. Uh, the music program is tremendous here. Tremendous. It was wonderful this morning. Amen. I'm going to share a little thought with you. Uh, tonight, teacher, will get to greet everybody. Because we're running, as you are aware, we're running with a bit of a clock. But tonight, we're going to preach very hard at uh, the campus in Nederland. Let's go to chapter number one of the book of St. John. St. John, chapter number one. We are so thrilled and so proud to see what's happening here. The last time we were here, this building was just, just roofed. And there was all kinds of stuff on the floor here. And uh, Rand was trying to explain to me where the the platform would be and the pulpit and so on. I couldn't really make sense of it. But this is absolutely amazing and decked out. I noticed you got the animal in a cage there. (laughs) The way he drums, he needs to be in a cage. Amen. All right. Let's go to chapter number one of St. John. And then we're going to hit you with 1 Samuel. Chapter uh, Chapter number two. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now verse 14 says, And that word, the word that was in the beginning, that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Let's breeze very quickly to First Samuel 2, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child girded with a linen ephod now while you are in first samuel let's go to chapter number 3 and verse 19 of first samuel and samuel grew and the lord was with him and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. None of his words fall to the ground. I'm going to share an idea with you this morning entitled, When Rhema Meets Rhema. When Rhema Meets Rhema. The frame of this presentation is going to take a brief idea of the way people, human behavior, and then we're going to track for a few minutes the historical unfolding of the word Rhema and how it applies in a scriptural setting. And then we're going to make an application to where you are today uh, with the prophetic lean into 2015. Are we together? Somebody smile at me. Uh, Our words are a reflection of our mind. If you want to know the way somebody thinks, spend a few minutes with them. And, and listen to what they say, but not necessarily uh, exclusively of what they say, but how they say what they say. Because sometimes somebody can, can initiate a conversation or participate in a conversation and say the right things, but even though they're saying the right things, they're not saying it in a manner that is uh, cohesive with, with their lifestyle. So sometimes somebody can say something, uh, they, they can say, for example, nice dress. But, but on the edge of that nice dress, they can have a little whip on it so that they make you feel bad that you're wearing a nice dress. So it's not so much of what you say, but it's how you say what you say. And that generally is a reflection of a person's mind. A person's mind is a reflection of their environment. The environment, because the way we think is a direct result of where we've been raised and how we've been shaped. And many times in, in the environment we find ourselves in, and I'm speaking contextually from an African experience, a lot of times in, uh, with reference to our continent, uh, where, where predominantly difficult conditions have prevailed. Teach and I have learned throughout the years that if we're going to be successful, And if we're going to be blessed, we cannot allow the environment we were raised in to dictate the way our mind shapes. Because our mind will then spurt out the kinds of words that that will not be a blessing to our lives presently and in the future. Because the Bible is explicit as a man thinks so easy and, and that death and life then are in the power of your words. So then we have to make sure... ...that we have to rise above our environment. But the fact that we are rising above our environment as church leaders... ...the onus is on us to make sure that we create an environment for the next generation... ...so that they have success and blessing in their lives. So to give you a little idea of of where we are as a church and as a ministry... ...our church has grown tremendously in the last number of years... In the last two years, I would say that our church has dedicated way over 2,000 babies. This year, over 500 babies alone, which simply means that we have a lot of young couples in our church because each and I are not fixing to have another baby. That's past, long past. But it's young couples, and so it's not enough just to have people assemble on the Sunday to have church. It is, it, it is important. That we shape the way people think by providing an alternative to the environment they were raised in and so we then become what we would call establishmentarians that means we are now building an environment for people to go forward as 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 africans alone or as people that live in south east texas right this is southeast in southeast texas the general Consensus of the way people live and the way people are shaped. There are different groupings of people and everyone in their group and, you know, so on and so forth. But the church then becomes the, the liaison to override different cultural constructs. And the church then begins to set the standard for the way people should live and the way people should have results. Uh, so, so it now becomes important for us to have the kind of message and the kinds of lifestyle that produces hope for every person that, that, that is within our proximity. And so when people look at you over Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner or family get-togethers, they'll know that there's something different about you, not just because you go to church, because that's not enough, but it's the fact that your life now is becoming a beacon of hope, a bastion of light for those that are observing us. Amen. And so any environment, for that matter, can produce that condition. The the difference here is, however, is that as Christians, we have something that is an edge. It's called the rhema word or the prophetic lean. In other words, even though it's important, whether people are Christians or not, to do better, we have an advantage in that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the God of eternity that spoke everything into existence in us. And it's usually placed within what John said, a word. In the beginning was the word. So that word is placed within us. Jesus the Christ and the word are exactly the same thing. They are synonymous. However, when we receive an initial word from God, it comes in seed form. Matthew 13 tells us that. First Peter also says that the word comes in a seed what we do with that seed then determines how and, what, how and when we expand and when we grow. So people in this room, everybody can hear me at the same time. But not everybody going to grow at the same rate. Because it then determines how you make an application to what you have heard. Somebody say amen. amen. Someone say hallelujah. Someone say thank you Jesus. Dare to clap your hands. Alright. It's going to be good It's going to be good if I can eventually get there The word rhema The word rhema cannot be claimed By, by the writers of the gospel The word rhema The word rhema and the word logos move together So let's deal with a, a historical commentary Very quickly of those words When the Bible says in John chapter number 1 verse 1 In the beginning was the word Tichi Dexter is here Can you believe it? Dexter from Tulsa Dexter Good to see it. In the beginning was the word. That word, word, is the word logos. Which means the idea. It means the blueprint. It means the frame. See, everything starts in life with an idea. A blueprint, a frame. So, in the beginning is that idea. That idea. And so, that idea... That desire That plan That aspiration Means nothing It's jack if you don't apply What you've had So we have four sons And we say to them Now when you get in the shower The soap is there Soap can't help you Until you apply it (laughs) And so in the beginning was the soap The soap was with God and the soap was God. But the soap means nothing until the soap is made flesh. That's the only part I can demonstrate right here. This is a public meeting. (laughs) The same is true. We can use deodorant. We can use, you, you can be a housewife. And you can have the best ingredients in the pantry. And and that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that you can cook if you've got the best ingredients. So the Americans have been helped where somebody prepares it and puts it in a can and you just throw it into a pot. But if you've got somebody that's working from scratch, which is an interesting word for the 21st century, you can have all the ingredients in the pantry that doesn't mean anything until it is applied. So the word rhema then and the word logos, the word rhema means the application of the word. It means the expression of an idea, the unfolding of a thought. So this building is a rhema of the plan. The plan was the logos. The blueprint, as long as it's on blueprint form, you don't have a building. In essence you do, but it's just on on the on a a a, a scroll or a piece of paper on the wall. Until that plan is then brought into fulfillment you don't have the expression of what was an idea that's true of everything that's true of absolutely everything in your life it begins with the plan ends with the manifestation begins with the plan ends with the manifestation that's true of everything in your life that's true of marriage it's true of education it's true of your business it's true of your life it starts with the plan And ends, ladies and gentlemen, with manifestation. Now how does that apply here? The word rhema actually comes out of the Greek world where the the, the founders of the Greek culture and the Greek nation had a plan. And Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato called that word plan logos. We have a plan for our nation. We have a plan for the Greeks. We have a plan for our future. And they then began to put that plan into... uh, Categories, starting with education, starting with with architecture, starting with uh, issues of mathematics, engineering, language, etc., etc. And then they began to systematically implement the plan into what they then called logos, the expression, to where the Greeks became arguably in history one of the most potent nations that ever came to the family of man. So much so that the entire New Testament was written in the Greek language. And many of the most powerful writers of the scripture had their training in Greek schools. It started with the Logos. It ended with the Rhema. Tell somebody, Rhema is about to meet Rhema. Say it like you want to be here. Last year was, uh, this year, in fact, next week will be 43 years that I've been a Christian. Got saved in 1972. When a number of missionaries came and, and, and preached to us. They used to be in Austin, Texas, living on the streets uh, out of the hippie movement. They, they were high on LSD and all that stuff. And they got saved and started going to Kenneth Phillips Church, World of Pentecost. But the Phillips then sent them to Zimbabwe uh, to get them out of their social circle and to, to help break their habitual practices and participation in the world of drugs. Preach to one family. That was falling apart. My mother and my dad with 10 children were separating or going towards a divorce. And the weekend we were leaving, that Saturday morning, these folks showed up at our door, knocking on doors, inviting people to church. My mum responded, took us to church that night. I hated it because the Pentecostals were crazy, making noise. We, they were praying at the same time, clapping there and somebody was shouting amen over my head as the preacher was trying to preach. They prayed as if God was deaf or had a you know, some sort of a hearing aid and the battery was bad and he couldn't hear and so they were screaming and shouting and snorting and spitting and kicking and falling and busting up the place and kicking chairs and that was all part of this Christian experience. But there's one thing we could not deny, that even though all of that carrying on was going on because, my goodness, we were raised in an Anglican church and Episcopalian environment from a Muslim world. This was not church to us. This was total disorder. But there's one thing we could not deny and that was the anointing. We felt the anointing and the power <laughs> baby when you feel the power of god you cannot deny the power of god Amen. It'll break every chain. It'll break stuff off your life. It'll take the monkey off your back when the anointing hits your life. That anointing will fix your marriage, your life. Don't mess with the monitor. Leave it up there. It'll change your life. It'll change the trajectory of your future. This anointing will answer your prayer. It will bring fulfillment of all your hopes and dreams. I pray the anointing hits your life. Someone say amen. amen. And back then, God put a little word in my spirit. I was barely 16 years old back then. Tomorrow's my 58th birthday. Not bad for a young guy, huh? Ooh. Don't hate. And I began ministry at the age of 17. That's 41 and a half years ago. But back then, God put something in my spirit and... and, and I didn't understand what it all meant, but in the unfolding of time. He put an idea in my spirit that, that at some point we would affect and change parts of our world. And we never understood what that meant. After 40 years of ministry, we're now beginning to see a lot of that. Chich and I have been very privileged in our short lives to, to, to address presidents, uh, heads of nations government leaders, people uh, in, the, in the private sector and civil sector on a very high level and, and shape their lives. But then it was a logos, right now it is a rhema. Rhema will meet rhema in your life. If God has put something in your spirit, you have to believe like you've never believed before. The Lord said to Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? There's nothing too difficult for God. He's about to fulfill your craziest and your wildest dreams rhema is about to meet rhema when God put a rhema in your spirit at some point in your life in time your rhema inside of you is going to meet the rhema in time and when the two collide the devil is a liar nothing can stop what God has promised You might be in the middle of a midnight, in the middle of a storm. You've got to believe that the rhema that God has placed in your spirit shall live and not die. You've got to tell the devil and his mother-in-law, I shall not die, but I shall live to declare the works of the Lord. That my best days are coming. My better days are coming. And I feel like preaching up in here. Slap someone a high five. Tell them, I want to see if your hand's working. I want to see if it's working. I want to see if that hand is working. Amen. I'm preaching in a minute or two. Amen. Amen, amen We've been stuck in the middle of a famine Stuck in a desert place Stuck in the middle of a hell But the devil can go to hell Because I really believe that God is able to do Exceeding abundantly above all That we can even ask or think The rhema inside of me Is about to be released In a very cataclysmic yeah. <laughs> Come on rhema the songwriter said my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness something has been rising and raising up in my spirit I believe that God still answers prayer God works miracles God is a savior of marriages and life God is an oh come on Holy Ghost (laughs) so now in closing in closing Here's a woman that goes to the temp, to the tabernacle every year with her husband. First Samuel chapter number 1. Akaniah has two wives, Peniah and Hannah. Peniah is having children almost every year. She thinks it's in the water she drinks. <laughs> Hannah can't have children. And so Hannah, her prayer is to have a child. Not so much so that she can have a child... To end the so-called curse on her life. But Hannah wanted the child because her counterpart, Peniah, was persecuting her. Her desire was not to have a child to have a child's sake. Her desire was that the persecution can end. It, isn't it amazing when, when people are really jealous of you that they'll persecute you for the reasons of your lack and your inadequacy? But, but God is a miracle worker. One writer said he works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And so in an area where you have your greatest weakness, that's actually, ladies and gentlemen, where your greatest strength is. Because I heard the writer of the book of 1 Corinthians say, when I am weak, then I am strong. In my greatest weakness, that's when my strength is coming. In my storm, I'll find my answer. In the middle of a famine, I'm going to get my rhema word. Rhema is inside of me and I will not die until that rhema is fulfilled. And so Hannah goes to Shiloh every year to pray. Uh... Elkaniah, her husband is taking offerings there To bring his tithes Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen says Three times a year a man will appear before the Lord And he will bring his tithe And so every year she would go with him And she would pray While her counterpart is looking after yet another baby And so Elkaniah was giving her great blessing Giving her extra portions of food And extra portions of raiment But that's not what she wanted so now Hannah has resolved within her heart that she's not going to have this baby and so the year when she decides that she's not going to happen suddenly she's praying in the temple or in, in in the tabernacle in the woman's section and something jumps on this woman and she begins to pray She begins to pray that no one else around her can understand. This is the first manifestation of what we would call as charismatics glossolalia. Or speaking in another language. In other words, Romans 8 verse 26, she's now praying in a language that that her spirit can't identify with. She's praying in a language to get what the Holy Spirit wants in her life. And she starts praying and the priest comes and says you're drunk. And like Peter said on the day of Pentecost, she said, I'm not drunk as you think. I'm drunk, but not the way you suppose. I'm drunk with a rhema word that's in my spirit that's looking for expression. She says, biologically, in my own words, biologically and physiologically, my body will not permit me to have a child. But my spirit says that I'm eligible to have a child. And what my body says I can't have, my spirit is overruling. And so I'm going to bridge the gap with a prayer. And my prayer is going to release the rhema that's in my life. Oh, oh. If you believe, keep on pushing, baby. If you believe, keep on pushing. Keep on believing. Now watch this. The priest then prophesies on her life. Because the rhema in her life is going to activate the rhema word in the priest's mouth. Even though he's half backslidden. And then he says, your prayers are answered. She goes, has a child, names him Samuel. At the age of three, she gives Samuel to the Lord. She dedicates him to the Lord. When he's three years old, and at that age, she puts him in the care of a bunch of crazy people. Eli is crazy. His two sons are psychopaths, Hophni and Phineas. They perverts. They they, they have no, no integrity, no righteousness, no desire for God. And here is a child placed in an environment that's antagonistic to everything that's right. But the Bible says, but God put a shield around him. And his mother built him a priestly garment, an ephod. And that ephod became his covering and his protection. That even though he's in the middle of sickness and disease and a cesspool of sin. The boy has an antibiotic in his spirit. It's, it's his mother's prayers and his mother's covering. And it's God's will and the prophetic anointing upon his life. That no matter, even if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil. Because God will be with you. And the Bible says, and Samuel grew and became strong. And God didn't allow any of his words to fall to the ground. I don't know what your future is or what your desires are. But I'm here to tell you on this first Sunday of 2015. That 2015 is going to be a better year for most of you. A great year for some and a fantastic year for somebody else. Rayma is about to meet Rayma in your life. Say yes. Yes. is about to manifest in your life. Someone's about to get married. Someone's about to have a third baby. Someone's about to open that business. Somebody's about to travel. Someone's about to go to another place. That's why the devil fought you in 2014. Because he knew if you ever got loose and fancy free, he would not be able to contain you. But my best year is about to emerge. Rhema! Stand up, let's pray. Amen. Stand up, let's pray. We'll catch you tonight for the rest of this. Amen. Join hands with the believer. Don't just join hands. Ask them first. Say, do you believe? Join hands with somebody that doesn't believe. Amen. Amen. 20 years ago, Twenty years ago, what's the university down the road here? Yeah? Lamar. Triumph was having conference in in the Lamar M- Montaigne Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Remember that? And and Bishop Clark, who is always always intense in spiritual issues, you know, it's like how are you doing? And then he starts giving you a word of wisdom kind of thing. Yeah. So he pulls me aside. He said to me. He said to me. Uh, he said. Bishop Tudor, he said to me, he said, even though you, you don't see it, he said, I see stuff on your life that, that you don't see. He said, I've been in church all my life. I've been in a miracle environment from a very young age. I've been in some of the best meetings, he said, and you don't see what I see on your life. He said, in, in your not-too-distant future, you go into a place in ministry that's some of the best the world has ever offered. To me, that was like Greek it didn't even make sense because I was judging my life by my immediate environment. And teaching, I couldn't see a future from what somebody was looking at. And just looking across the board here, just looking across the board here, oh, there's a wonderful breakthrough coming. Wonderful breakthrough coming. Wonderful breakthrough coming on most of your lives. I can just see it. We're coming into a season of answered prayers. We're coming into a season where we've been waiting, but, but that waiting is coming to an end. Last year I was flying from, from Atlanta to New York and then New York home. But when we got into JFK, uh, we were in this holding pattern. And I could see JFK airport down there. And we're just going round and round and round. We were in a holding pattern. We had arrived, but we hadn't landed God's about to cause your holding pattern to end. You're about a land. You're about a land. Father, we receive it. We command your blessing. We command your anointing on every marriage, every family, every household, every business. For those that haven't worked in months, we thank you for opening a door in the next few days for employment. Father, for those who are struggling with, with housing, we pray that you resolve this by, by Valentine's Day. Housing is coming. Blessing is coming. Anointing is coming. Reconciliation is coming. The anointing of the Lord is about to elevate. We thank you for blessing, triumph in a significant way. Amen. Pray for the person on your left and your right. I pray for the person on my left and on my right that they would prosper and be successful and that they would be good health. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Everybody put your hands together.